At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. I might, but you guys not going to have it today. Again, like I told you guys the other week, man, we're not going to make knee-jerk reactions and statements following a performance. We'll go through our proper professional procedure. We'll evaluate the game. We'll meet with our front office people. We'll have discussions. Uh, We'll talk internally. We'll talk external possibilities. We'll go through our normal procedure this time of year, and we'll disclose it to you at at our leisure, to be quite honest with you. Well, we really don't need Mike Tomlin to tell us who the starting quarterback is going to be against the Cincinnati Bengals to open the season on Sunday, September the 11th. We don't need him to tell us right now it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. I think we've all figured that out. Now, how long is that going to be the case moving forward after that game? Well, that's a different story altogether. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook inviting you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same-game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets and player props to create your perfect Bet Rivers combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice to your game with same-game parlays at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers app or you can go to betrivers.com. Make your same-game baseball parlay bets today. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. No, there are more pressing questions, I would say, than who's going to be the starting quarterback against the Bengals. Uh, Like I pointed out, 
I think we all know that Mitch Trubisky is now going to be the starter. Here are a couple more pressing questions as they relate to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, number one, who's going to be blocking for Mitch Trubisky? And number two, are you keeping Mason Rudolph as your third quarterback for the foreseeable future? I kind of think the answers to those two questions are linked because answer number one appears to be, I don't know who's going to be blocking. So that means answer number two should be, yeah, they better keep Mason Rudolph because if question number one doesn't get answered fast, Mason Rudolph may be starting before too long. I'm fearing for the well-being of both Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett if they've got to play long-term behind that offensive line. Um, Let's be honest, that offensive line has a lot of work ahead of it between now and game one against the Bengals on the 11th of September. Now, the Steelers did win and cover against the Lions. That's been a winning combination this preseason. Take the Steelers and give the points to the two games that they were favored and take the points when they were underdogs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The over did not hit. As I've said throughout the 3-0 preseason for the Steelers, the numbers on the overs and the unders have been very difficult to call. That's been the case throughout the National Football League. Hopefully, you've been avoiding those. The Steelers still six-and-a-half-point dogs against the Bengals. I'm leaning towards Cincy right now. If you're a Steelers fan, you might want to wait on this line based on yesterday, though. Let's see what happens with the health of Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, and T.J. Watt. And we also have to keep in mind that Alex Highsmith hasn't been playing. Watt and Johnson left the preseason game with injuries against the Lions on Sunday and why they were playing I have no clue especially what Johnson let me take that back right away about Johnson I understand why Johnson was playing he's been missed in training camp he's been very limited there they wanted to give Trubisky a look with as many starters as they could Uh, they already didn't have Chase Claypool in there he's had very little of working with his top targets in game so I understand that what though if he needed to play And I don't think that he did. He surely didn't need to play as long as he did. And he definitely, almost assuredly, didn't need to play after he initially got injured on that cut block by TJ Hawkinson. Mike Tomlin said after the game, boxers need to spar. Well, TJ Watt was the world heavyweight champion of defensive players in the National Football League last year. And he didn't spar in the preseason at all. Remember the whole hold-in thing a year ago? In fact, Tomlin went on the record a year ago and said that the exact opposite was true about Watt, that he wasn't human. Remember that? But now it looks like the outside of his knee is bothering him. After getting cut by Hawkinson, Tomlin made it sound like the injuries are nothing for him and Johnson. But after hearing what we heard from Najee Harris yesterday, should we believe anything Mike Tomlin ever says again about injuries? Here's what Najee Harris said after the game yesterday about his foot allegedly getting stepped on. You know, just to give everybody an update, I never did just get my foot stepped on. I had a sprain this spring. Um, so that's why I was out for the majority of the camp. So to get back in there and the motions and stuff like that, um, you know, I felt really rusty. Uh, I wasn't thinking too happy about my performance. Yeah, Liz Frank is a long way from just getting your foot stepped on in training camp a month ago. And remember how dismissive and curt Tomlin was about Ending that conversation regarding Najee back then in training camp. Well, gee, I wonder why now, huh? And speaking of Watt and Johnson, if Najee has a Liz Frank injury, why the hell is he hurtling guys in the late stages of the second quarter of that last preseason game? 
Track all three of these injuries before you make your bets in the opener against Cincinnati. That line could go up significantly if Watt and Najee don't practice early in the week. Maybe Johnson, too. I don't think he'll affect things as much, but Watt and Najee for sure. Now, as far as the over-under total, if you know you want to go under 7.5, hit it now because the odds are even at minus 110. If we find out that Watt is going to be out for either the opener or a couple weeks uh, because of a question mark midweek in his availability, those odds are going to go up on the under. And I sure as heck wouldn't place a bet on the over until I'm absolutely 100% confident that T.J. Watt is healthy to start the year. Okay, more Steelers in a minute. Now let's get to the Pirates. After salvaging one of three games in Philadelphia, 5 to nothing on Sunday, the Pirates are heading to Milwaukee for three games. They just ended their seven-game losing streak. It's an important series for Milwaukee. The Brewers start play Monday, a game and a half behind the San Diego Padres for the National League's final wildcard spot and six games behind the St. Louis Cardinals for the NL Central lead. Milwaukee just won its last two games against the Chicago Cubs. They had lost five of their previous seven. The Pirates surprisingly swept the Brewers at PNC Park earlier this month, winning game one by a final of 5-3. to three. Game two was an 8-7 victory, and the third game was won 2-1 to one in 10 innings. Milwaukee swept the first six games of the season series. Overall, the Bucks are 7-9 and nine versus Milwaukee this season, having been outscored 92-66 to 66 along the way. That's because of that one 19-2 game that was factored in there. The Pirates have to face Corbin Burns on Monday. He's 9-6 with an earned run average of 284. However, he has struggled in August, posting a 1-2 record with an ERA of 5.20 for the month. One of those losses was a 5-3 misstep against the Pirates on August 2nd. The Buccos touched him up for four earned runs and chased him in the sixth inning. Burns won his other two starts against the Pirates this year. The first was a 5-3 decision in April. Then that 19-2 game, he started that one. JT Brubaker scheduled to start for the Pirates, but he's on the paternity list. No official replacement named as the time of we are recording. The Pirates are at plus 280. The Brewers are at minus 350. And I go Brewers here. If you want a parlay to throw into the mix here, how about Tony Gonsolin and the Dodgers going up against the Marlins? At minus 230, that one makes the most sense to me. All right, back to the Steelers. Uh, in my opinion, they did very little definitively to answer any questions about the 2022 season during the three-game preseason set that they had against the Jaguars, Lions, and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the 19-9 slop fest of a victory against the Lions Sunday afternoon at the Ack certainly didn't do much to make you say, yep, this team's a jet plane that's taken off now. In some cases, I think that the questions that surrounded the Steelers have grown into greater concerns. A few have perhaps become lesser points of agitation, but if you're someone who was worried that this season may mark Mike Tomlin's first losing campaign as a head coach, most of the shortcomings that exist in this team are still every bit as present as they were when it reported to St. Vincent College for training camp in Latrobe in late July. If you're someone who was assuming that the Steelers were in good shape heading into the summer, you've probably talked yourself into believing that they're going to snap their five-year playoff wind drought. Which leads me to wonder, given all that, why were T.J. Watt and some of the starters of the game so late in the second quarter? To my previous point, 
but they were, and now that's something else that's hanging over the team moving forward into the regular season opener against the Cincinnati Bengals. But let's look at some of the other questions that we're all talking about about the Steelers going into the preseason and where they are now coming out of it, like the offensive line. If you were looking for answers as to how the Steelers' offensive line was going to improve, you didn't find them. In fact, without Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball in under two and a half seconds on every pass play, at times, the line has been made to look even worse in pass protection. It also still looks impotent when it comes to creating a push in the run game. The first-team offensive line allowed Trubisky to be sacked twice and was flagged for three holding penalties, two by Dan Moore, one by Chooks Okorafor. Kevin Dotson had a false start as well, and Kendrick Green was tagged with a hold in the third quarter as he came off the bench. That was eventually declined. Through the first three quarters, the Steelers are averaging just 3.1 yards per carry, 2.9 for the game on the ground after getting just 1.7 in the previous game against Jacksonville. The quarterbacks. Well, here's an area where I do think the Steelers are in a better spot than expected when training camp began. After the struggles of Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett early in training camp, once the games began, they appeared to be further along in their acclimation to the Steelers than how things looked in Latrobe. Mason Rudolph, too, for that matter. As a team, the Steelers had a 124.9 passer rating in the first game, 115 in the second, and 98.1 in the third. That's pretty good. But before we assume any of the three quarterbacks are going to make us forget about Ben Roethlisberger in one year, let's remember they were throwing against vanilla defenses that featured backups from Seattle, Jacksonville, and Detroit, three non-playoff teams from a year ago, and I'd venture to say three non-playoff teams for this year, too. What are the over-unders on all those teams? Like five, six, seven in that neck of the woods? I think it's under seven and a half for Jacksonville, under six and a half for Detroit. I'll go in on the unders for those guys. And I'll go under five and a half for Seattle at plus money, plus 110 right now for the Seahawks there. It's not exactly a murderer's row of opponents for the Steelers to get them ready for the regular season. There are some other depth chart holes that the Steelers were well aware of going into training camp that I don't think have been properly addressed or fully addressed yet. I don't think they found a clear-cut backup outside linebacker. Uh, They needed two. They didn't even find one. Alex Highsmith barely participated in games or practices thanks to a rib injury, and Watt suffered that knee injury in the second quarter of the game against the Lions. I understand wanting to let the starters get a little contact and a few reps in the preseason, but Watt got some of that the previous week in Jacksonville and in the first quarter against the Lions. He didn't need to be in the game at that point, nor did he need to go back in after he appeared to suffer the knee injury in the first place, as we mentioned before. So I'm going to harp on that until I know he's 100% in and healthy against the Bengals. And the outside linebacker competition to me um, wasn't much of a competition, just like, you know, guard wasn't much of a competition between Dotson and Green. It's kind of like you got to name a starter. And in the case of Derek Tuska and Delonte Scott, you got to name backups. And I guess that's who it's going to be or, Hamilcar Rashid or whoever it might be. No one that's going to strike fear in the hearts of the opposing quarterback or offensive tackle when they see him lined up on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Now, running back, Jalen Warren is impressed. I'm prepared for just about any sort of combination of him, Anthony McFarland, and Benny Snell to get carries after Najee Harris, assuming Harris is good to go for the opener with the newly discovered Liz Frank injury. 
But, you know, Warren, for as good of a story as he is, he's still just an undrafted rookie, still an unknown. That's banking a lot of faith if he is to be given the important job as Harris's top backup. And then at inside linebacker next to Miles Jack, Mark Robinson has opened the most eyes. Unfortunately, the hope was Devin Bush would put any such discussion to an end, and he hasn't, nor has Robert Spillane looked like much more than a special teams candidate. So the inside linebacker concerns persist. And then there's the rush defense. Last year, the worst in the league, the Jags only averaged 3.2 yards per carry in the middle game after the Seahawks got 6.1 in the opener. But when you see Justin Jackson busting off 27-yard runs for the Lions, there's obviously a long way to go before feeling secure that that unit is fully back to where it should be. You know, Chris Wormley and Tyson Alualu this past week talked about needing to avoid playing hero ball. Like, here's Wormley talking about that. It wasn't so much a sense of urgency like, oh, we got to make a play. It's more of, um, you know, things aren't going our way and we want to try and right that wrong. Um, sometimes last year it got out of hand a little bit. Um, but we, we added some new pieces this year to the defense that I think are really going to help. Um, and we've added some new wrinkles this year that I think are going to help us out as far as schematically how we're going to stop the run. Okay, the run defense doesn't need a hero or hero ball. It doesn't need a Superman. It just needs a bunch of guys who are better than Clark Kent. But my concern right now is that the Steelers are going to be the very definition of Clark Kent. Abundantly average and nondescript. I say 8-9. and nine. That's my call in their final record. Do without what you will with the over-under being at 7.5. I think it'll go over, and I think it'll sweat it the whole time. So maybe go in one direction or the other. Pay more to go with the over at 6.5. Pay more to go with the under at 8.5. Um, or nine, whatever it might be, to make you feel more comfortable if you don't like over seven and a half of me saying eight. Uh, but that's where my opinion rests. Okay, we'll talk about that more with Mark Madden next. It is a Madden Monday here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, and we're brought to you by Bet Rivers. Back in 30 seconds. Kickoff football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. For the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams or back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It is a Madden Monday. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. Tim Benz and Mark Madden. Mark from 1059 The X. You can listen to him Monday through Friday on The X. You can also check him out in the Trib four times a week. Lots to talk about today. Uh, by the way, if you are a gambler and you were uh, of the notion to bet on the Steelers in the preseason, they did cover. It got dicey there, but they won against the Detroit Lions, 19-9, the final score in the preseason finale. The game stays under the total. Uh, we did not get the late touchdowns and scoring action from Mason Rudolph that we had in the past, but just enough for the Steelers to get the win and go through a perfect preseason mark. But I don't know about you. Uh, I don't think a lot of the Steelers' questions in the preseason were answered. Do you? Oh, I think they were all answered. I just don't think they were answered the way people had hoped. <laughs> well, that's good. The point. offensive line stinks. Devin Bush stinks. Mitch Trubisky won a non-existent quarterback competition. 
there was never any chance, barring him getting hurt or just really being terrible throughout camp and in the exhibition games, there was no way Trubisky wasn't going to start week one. But let's pretend it was a legitimate competition and that the best performer was going to start week one. Well, Mitch Trubisky, from the start of training camp until uh, the end of the exhibition against Detroit, was the best quarterback. And it wasn't even that close. So case closed. Trubisky didn't have to win it, but he did win it. If it was a legitimate competition, they would have given Pickett more run with the ones. They would have given Pickett more of a shot in the preseason to play before Trubisky. Yeah, with all due respect to him, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it, it, Trubisky outplayed Pickett, period. Do you think he outplayed him because of the level of competition that he faced and the lack of protection that he had from the line versus what Pickett saw? Or were you making it that definitive of a case? I think he was I think he was uh, not more mobile, but certainly uh, displayed great escapability, which is, is perhaps the thing you need most behind that offensive line. I think he threw great footballs. I think he showed poison leadership. I mean... Go down the list. He checked all the boxes. And I'm not saying he routed Pickett in this non-competition. I'm not saying Pickett wasn't very good because he was. But Trubisky, to me, was clearly the better quarterback. At one point, Mason Rudolph, if it would have been a competition, actually played the competition. I'm not saying it wasn't close. I'm saying Trubisky uh, is a worthy winner. Again, a worthy winner of a competition that never existed. Going back to something that Tomlin had said after the Jacksonville game when he was asked about trying to evaluate Trubisky, he said it was basically impossible to do because the offensive line didn't give any pass protection and didn't get any push in the run game either. So that even goes to show you that they've got an image in their mind that Trubisky is going to be the starter if they're not using any grounds for evaluation. Furthermore, I'd say to that, Mark, um, I think the evaluation of Trubisky is really to be done in the first three to six weeks, don't you? I think the evaluation of every NFL football player, Tim, becomes a lot more serious when the games count, yes. But don't you think that they are, in their mind, reserving the possibility to go to Pickett sometime either after week three or after week six? Oh, and they should. Uh, I don't know about after week three, but I think they will turn to Pickett uh, when the Steelers fade from competing for a playoff spot, whenever that is. Now, let's say Trubisky plays well and they hang in there. Let's say after week six, they're three and three. Then I think there's a real good chance Trubisky will keep the job for the entirety of the season. That could be the case. I think the issue is how do they get to three and three? Do they get to three and three because the defense is carrying them and bailing them out? Or do they get to three and three because Trubisky and the offense are pulling their own weight? Um, and, you know, and they lose to good teams like Buffalo, Cincy, and Tampa. I think that's where the, the line is drawn. Boy, Tim, it sounds to me like you really want Pickett to play. You sure you don't host afternoons on the fan? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm I'm trying to give I'm trying to predict where the out is that they go to Pickett because like if they were as sold on Trubisky as they were, they never would have drafted Pickett. They would have taken a tackle, which maybe oh, they should have. I, I I disagree. I think they were sold on Trubisky and didn't expect to get Pickett. I think if they had known for sure they were going to get Pickett, they never would have signed Trubisky. I think they would have made do with Rudolph for a very short interim not as long as this interim figures to be. So you're saying that the only time they go to Pickett then is if Trubisky either soils the bed or they get eliminated from playoff contention and they get Pickett ready for next year. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the way to handle it too. Uh, you bring up a valid point about if they're 3-3, three and three, but Trubisky's playing terrible. 
you know, maybe they go to Pickett then. But A, if they're 3-3, three and three, I don't expect that Trubisky would have played terrible. And B, I don't know just about any coach that would go to a different quarterback. A rookie quarterback, after his team starts 3-3, three and three, almost no matter how, uh, his starting quarterback was playing. There's a lot of debate about whether or not Tomlin should have played the starters in this game. I don't have a problem with him playing the starters initially. I thought they all played too long. Uh, maybe. I don't have a problem with them playing. I don't have a problem with how long they played. I don't blame the injuries to Johnson and Watt, which Tomlin says are inconsequential. I guess that that, that Casey's hurt pretty good, right? That looks like he may be uh, on IR. Yeah, he walked but, out uh, in a sling too, so. But when you have... Um, you know, a team that's not very good. You see, that's one thing we need to remember. This team is, isn't expected to be very good by very many people, at least not when microphones are turned on. And uh, because of that, I think you needed to get your starters and your starting units out there to try to develop a, a little continuity, a little cohesion anyway. So, you know, as far as Deontay and T.J. Watt getting hurt, I think T.J. Watt's just at the stage of his career where he's going to get hurt a lot. I think it's going to end up like his brother where – you know, his brother was a rock who never got hurt for the first X amount of years. And then, you know, as J.J. got older, you know, he just got hurt all the time. And uh, to be fair, to be absolutely fair, T.J. Watt has only missed four full games in five seasons, which is pretty good given his style. So maybe, you know, last year where he, you know, missed two games total and missed parts of, I think it was three other games, maybe that's an outlier. But, but, but to get back to your original point, I don't blame Tomlin for playing those guys at all. A lot of people are trying to draw the analogy between what happened last year with Watt tweaking his groin and not playing in the preseason to what happened here. But this is that's a false equivalence because this was 100% a contact injury. This was a guy cut-blocking him in a preseason game. That has, this yeah, is, that, and that's pretty rotten, by the way, but it is legal. That's one thing we always have to note about the cut blocks. They're legal. I also think Hawkinson, the tight end who cut him, kind of screwed it up. Or it looked like he was surprised as to where he got him because he was so apologetic afterwards, you could tell he wasn't trying to take him out at the knee. I also think maybe he was apologetic that the play was called and that was his job to do it, too. Well, by the same token, it's not his job to make sure T.J. Watt doesn't get hurt. Yes, and the rules are where they are. And, you know, Cam Hayward let it slide today in post-game interviews that the, you know, the league is now looking more directly at cut blocking and taking it out of the game, which I think is long overdue. I can't believe they're as chintzy as they are as what they consider head contact to be a 15-yard penalty, and they let stuff like that slide when they go at each other's knees. Well, Tim, if they're going to let Aaron Donald run amok like Godzilla <laughs> in Tokyo, you know, I, the cut block doesn't seem quite so bad, does it? I thought Donald should have been suspended. I know the rules say that he can't. Better said, Mark, there are no rules that say that he can. It's the absence of a rule we've been arguing about, not the presence of a rule. Um, I can't believe that they mandate practices to the level that they do with the CBA and something like this can't be punishable. That boggles the mind. Of course it's punishable. They just want Aaron Donald to be available for that Thursday night opener when the Bills play the L.A. Rams. Because if he's not, that'll be too much talked about in the run-up and even during the game. Uh, Pat McAfee said that the NFL shouldn't want to set a precedent by suspending someone for doing something in practice. Well, I think this is exactly the time and the incident that merits that precedent, don't you? 
Not only that, but then, you know, I, I just, I think these practices between teams are stupid. Um, because you're seeing, the, re- the reason why you see so many fights in these things is that football players are conditioned to beat the hell out of each other for 60 minutes in a stadium in a game, but not fight because of 15-yard penalties, ejections, fines, suspensions. When no such rules are in place, it boils down to chaos as it so often has this summer, not only in that situation, but Panthers versus Patriots, and the Cowboys had one like that. The Cowboys had an infamous one with the Giants a couple years ago. That's why it takes place. We, and if you need these these joint practices, then put back the exhibition game and right, knock off. Right, and, and bring but they them. don't want to do that because they're going to add an 18th game sooner, not later. Correct, yeah. And then it'll be just down to two preseason. Then I'll be really interested to see how long starters go into preseason games. Like, you know, Tomlin said afterwards, you can't box without sparring. Well, the guy in question was the boxer who won the world heavyweight title on the defensive side of the ball last year. T.J. Watt didn't spar, and he was defensive player of the year. Well, when correct me if I'm wrong, but Sean Payton in New Orleans, he never used his starters in any exhibition games, and they still did fine. Yeah, and, you know, college players do it all the time. I, I think you should use the preseason for player evaluation far more than you should for getting guys ready Jim, up to Jim, speed. I don't think you need any exhibition games. If you if you underline the word need, like you said with college, they just go right to playing games that count. I mean, you know, they play the the non-conference, although uh, the Big Ten just had that opener, you know, with, with Northwestern Nebraska. It was a conference game, was the first game for each team. I think when it comes to stuff like this, things are drastically overthought, but that's because the NFL – and their coaches are in the business of drastically overthinking. They think it's far more complicated than it really is. They should just play. Just, you know, have one exhibition game, you know, to play your jabronis that you're trying to decide who gets the last couple spots on the roster, and then just go right to playing games. Especially if things like cut blocking are legal in the preseason or the regular season at all, and they are. And that's why Watt had to leave the game. Now, Tomlin went so far as to say it was something that if, it was a regular season game talking about Johnson and Watt. They could have come back, but that doesn't mean that they're. Well, that's what he said. We, right. I mean, like, I don't believe a word he says when it comes to injury, let alone something he said, like, I guess at halftime. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't believe. I mean, I'm not saying he's lying. I'm just saying that I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Plus, he could still be hurt. You know, like, that doesn't mean that he's not hurt. It just means that it's something he could have played through if it was a preseason game. And. Now you better hope that he's ready, whatever it is, 14 days from now. If Watt would miss a, a significant period, especially during these first games that are very tough, I mean, that could spell a death knell for the season. Like, let's say he missed the first four games, and, and I'm not saying I know or think or guess or whatever that he will. But, you know, I mean, they need him all the time, let alone against the good teams. Because if they're going to hang in there, Tim, and be a playoff contender – to the season's midway point. they got to pull some upsets. Because there are also plenty of teams in the AFC, like I'll look at the Broncos, I'll look at the Chargers, I'll look at the Dolphins, I'll look at the Browns and Ravens, all of whom, especially when the Browns get Watson back, could be teams that'll sneak up and grab a playoff spot. And, you know, New England potentially backsliding doesn't get all those three teams. Other teams are going to get knocked out from perches that they had last year, and the Steelers by nature of getting the seventh seed, are right there on the bubble and primed to be picked off. 
Well, and the thing with the Steelers is, Tim, like I listened to interviews that Cam Hayward did tonight and TJ Watt did tonight, and they think they're far better than they are. And, uh, you know, I mean, everybody says that during interviews, but you can tell the way those guys talk. They really believe that they can do something crazy like win the division, and they just can't. And I've always found that if you know you're an underdog and kind of think and play from underdog's perspective, you have a better chance. Uh, case of point last year, he never said it out loud, but I think Ben knew they weren't that good. And I think he managed the games thusly and gave them that shot in the fourth quarter because he did. I don't think these guys think that. Maybe Trubisky knows. I don't know. But I think Watt and Hayward think they're like a contender for the division title, which is insane. And you can see the residue of what Roethlisberger may have been thinking there by the mere fact that Trubisky just doesn't have the same DNA as him when it comes to wanting to get rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds. Doesn't have the same guile in, in the fourth quarter. I mean, I'm of the mindset Ben stuck around at least two years too long. But by the same token, they'll be worse this year because he's not there. They just needed to move on, and he needed to not play. If I had to make a bet, Mark, between uh, Rudolph being let go at the uh, last minute of cuts, traded before the season, or traded the deadline, or kept throughout the year, what's the most likely scenario? Uh, he's not going to get cut. Um, see, I would keep him because I think that these quarterbacks are going to get hurt behind that O-line Unless Dan Moore figures out how to get away with holding better, I'm going to call him the human holding penalty. My God. Um, I think that all three quarterbacks, including Rudolph, will start at least one game this year. So I would keep Rudolph. I have no idea what they're thinking. I also have no idea why there seems to be such a clamor to trade Rudolph. Um, I know a lot of the picket fanboys want to remove any obstacles, be it real or perceived, to the Golden Boy you know, moving up the depth chart, but I think Pickett's probably second right now. It wouldn't totally shock me if Pickett was inactive for the first game day or so. But uh, but I think Pickett's the number two in their minds, moving up on number one. But I still nonetheless would keep Rudolph. And I go back to 2019, Tim. Ben's elbow exploded. Mason Rudolph got hurt. They had to play Duck, and they had just traded Josh Dobbs. Now, Duck went three and three, but I still think Josh Dobbs would have done better uh, was a better quarterback at the time. Obviously still is now because Duck's out of the league. I, I just think they should learn a lesson from that because I think if they keep Dobbs, they make the playoffs. Although the best thing to do would have been to go 3-14 and 14 and, um, and and draft uh, Justin Herbert. Not only have they not found answers along the offensive line, there are no answers at outside linebacker behind Watt and Highsmith. Uh, there's nobody to press Highsmith, let alone an answer if he gets hurt. You know, Jalen Warren's a nice little story. He's a decent little back, but um, I, I'm not sold on him if he had to take over as the number one guy for Najee Harris. Well, yeah, but Tim, if just about anybody had to take over for Najee after Najee got hurt, I just, you know, I, I think they're done anyway. I think they need to pursue a plan for somebody better, you know, with a veteran signing or something like that. I've been relatively impressed with Jalen Warren. I think he's done okay now one thing I want to say about the offensive line is there's nobody that's any good I mean nobody uh like Trey Turner looked better last year than James Daniels has so far this year they don't have any physical toughness or strength they don't have a glue guy there's nothing worth holding together anyway they just stink from left all the way to the right 
stinks so bad, in fact, that I find myself wondering if LeGlue and Hassenauer might be better alternatives. Matt Williamson on the postgame show tonight on DVE said, there's no star in the group, and a core four has by far and away been their best guy. Let that let that sing for a second. Boy, and just when I thought I couldn't be any more disturbed. <laughs> and I agree 100% with what he said. Oh, uh, so do I. Um, Chuk stinks a little less than all of them. And, you know, that's not encouraging. I And the Canada game plan and Trubisky's escapability can only get around that so much. It's like last year. You know, Ben, all his guile and getting rid of the ball real quick, it did provide some level of antidote uh, to uh, the, the lack of offensive line quality, but not enough. That's the three key words you always have to remember when you work around anything that lacks, but not enough. It might work, but not enough. Mark Madden with us. Uh, Mark, Tom Brady says, I'm 47 and I got a lot of crap going on. Uh, I'm totally in his corner. I think his wife had something planned when he unretired and this was part of the deal. I really do. With almost anybody else, you'd say, oh, you know, what's this guy doing? It's disrupting. It's not fair. You know, the other guys can't do it. He's 45. He did do them a favor by coming back. That's the impression I get that they kind of talked him into it. And he's won seven rings. If anybody deserves special dispensation, it's Tom effing Brady. He will not fail for having missed 11 days during camp. Uh, he's going to hit a wall sooner or later if he plays indefinitely, but it won't be because of that. Did you see the mascot go down in Baltimore? Yeah, what, the youth football player? They were supposed to just be funning around and he tackled him? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he went down and got an ACL or something. Well, quote the Raven, nevermore. <laughs> and his name's Poe, right? It is Poe, yes. It's after Edgar Allan Poe, exactly. I thought it was after the one Teletubby. <laughs> Mark, uh, before we go, you and I will not speak again on the podcast anyway before the Backyard Brawl, Pitt in West Virginia. I think Pitt wins. I think West Virginia's in a real transition stage here. Pitt is, too, because they don't have Pickett, but I still think they got more talent. Yeah, I just don't care. I'm not paying attention to it at all. Won't talk about it at all. I'm having Mark Bulger, the West Virginia alum, on my show on Tuesday. But we're mostly going to talk about just where Pitt and West Virginia are going to be left when all the super conference dust settles and how nonsensical it is that they don't play this game every year. Um I mean, just a little rudimentary I know about each team. I think Pitt's probably better than West Virginia, but not markedly so. And I will be rooting for West Virginia, which is to say against Narduzzi. And Duquesne covered against Florida State. They covered the 41-and-a-half, so good for them. Well, hold on. I thought it was 39-and-a-half. No, it went up. Actually, it went up in some places at kick to 42-and-a-half. So I got it at 41-and-a-half. And when they got the ball back with 40 seconds left to go on their own five, I said, oh, no. It's 47 to 40. They're somehow going to get a safety against themselves, and I'm going to lose it. But sure enough, they covered. Now, when Duquesne scored their touchdown, who was in the game for them and who was in the game for Florida State? Well, it was their first string cornerback that used to play in the ACC, a Duke transfer that intercepted the ball that set up the touchdown. It was their starting quarterback... And it was one of their top three receivers. And for Florida State, I would say on the defensive side of the ball, it was at least mainly second stringers, if not third. 
Okay, so, I mean, I don't know how much that skews anything. I think the game was pretty much skewed to begin with. But, you know, I, I just – I think that game's just dumb to play, but I understand why both sides do it too. Now, on a lighter note, I actually split my soccer bets this week because I'm betting two soccer games every week. Did you have Liverpool over eight and a half? <laughs> no, nine over Bournemouth. No, you know what? You know what? Somebody gave me a tip that I got to start to do. What's that? I got to start looking at when the top four or five teams all play bad teams the same weekend. Parlays. And go with a four or five team parlay. Is that pretty safe to do in soccer? Well, I mean, you might get a tie in there, ruins the whole thing, but it's the only way to get to get the odds even passable. Right. You don't yeah. even any kind of a payday betting on the top teams. Uh, but. Uh, I had uh, I lost on Leeds losing to Brighton one 0 I had Leeds, but I had West Ham. Tim West Ham were supposed to compete for like a spot in Europe, you know, top six, mm-hmm. and they lost their first three games and didn't score a goal. <laughs> okay. Okay. So so they played Aston Villa, who were a pretty you know average team as well, and it was at Villa. But I bet fifty on West Ham to win. And it paid 168. They won one nil. So uh, that uh, meant I showed a 68 dollar profit for the weekend anyway. And I am now Tim. But I love how how you get fractioned out where you where the progress or the even even losing is so small you feel like you're wasting your time. I am down as we speak exactly 38 dollars and 50 cents on the year after <laughs> after eight bets. I was down 85 cents after yesterday. Yeah, see, there you go. I mean, it, it, it strikes you as kind of dumb and time-wasting, doesn't it? It does. You know, when you meet in the middle like that, it does. Uh, hey, I, I just want to know who Liverpool beat 9 nothing. Is this like the Pirates of Soccer? What was going on there exactly? Bournemouth. They got uh, promoted this year from AAA. Oh, okay. All right. Now, to be fair, they were in the Premier League for several years not long ago. But that was just one where, you know, Liverpool had, you know, drawn twice and lost once in their first three, which actually digs a hole in that league, just three games in. I mean, Liverpool have, have won once in the last five years, won the Premier League, and then two other times they finished second by one point in those five years. So it's a real fine line, and, you know, I mean, you can't help but figure that losing the the uh, seven points we've dropped so far are going to come back to haunt us when we've lost the league as recently as last year by just one point. Mark Madden is on every day, Monday through Friday, 3 until 6. Not this week. I'm in for Mark for a couple days this week on Wednesday and Thursday. I don't know who's in on Friday, but Mark, I know you're out through Labor Day, right? Well, I'm back Labor Day. We're doing a show Labor Day. Oh, you are? Okay. All right. Yeah, no, my I, I think Friday, I think my producer, Tom Opferman, who's been doing uh, a couple podcasts with me for the Bet Rivers Network, I think he's going to fill in because any port in a storm, Tim, I'm against the producer opening the mic, but it's okay when I'm not there. Mark Madden, you can catch him Monday and Tuesday then, 3 until 6, and read him four times a week at Trib Live. This is the Madden Monday podcast, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com.